Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Serial from the Box. I'm Marie. And I'm Gianna. And this is the podcast where magic happens. You discover your true self, and your favorite foods once again become your favorite foods. And by food, I mean nourishment and love. Beautiful. How are you doing, Marie? I'm doing pretty okay. I've had a chill day. Time to relax and rejuvenate myself. Ooh, rejuvenate. I feel like I'm in a spa when you say that. Well, your intro really got me got me in that thought, so. <laughs> um, so, guys, today we have a special guest. Super Ooh. special. And she's literally my best friend besides Marie. She's gorgeous. She's smart. She's going places. This is my baby sister, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, how you doing? Hi, I'm your baby sister, Gabrielle. I'm doing. I'm doing. Living the life, you know. Cool. So um, the reason we wanted to have her on the show is because, like all of us, um, she has gone through her food journey, and I think that she has a really cool perspective, and I would love to talk to her about that and also get her input on extreme hunger, which is kind of something we wanted to talk about with you guys. Thanks to the one person who responded to our Instagram question, what should we talk about? Your wish is granted. Okay, Gabrielle, tell us about your, your, yourself and your food journey. Um, well, I guess my struggles with food mostly started in high school as do many girls. Um, It kind of started as a result of, uh, I want to say, me learning to cope with my depression um, and having a control. And when I couldn't engage in other uh, depressive behaviors, I switched my controlling behavior to uh, restricting my food. And from there, it escalated uh, a lot until uh, I went to the doctor one day and they told me that if I did not change my habits, they were going to hospitalize me. And because I was not willing to make my parents pay for inpatient treatment, I decided that I was just going to eat again. <laughs> and, and that's when uh, the extreme hungers, like we were talking about, started. And um uh, yeah, I don't know, Clay. You want me to go from there? Well, I guess um, before we kind of jump into the extreme hunger stuff, do you want to talk a little bit about what that recovery process looks like for you since you didn't go through a formal treatment kind of setting? Right. Um, so my recovery started, um, I guess, with me just eating whatever I wanted at first, which felt really good, but I also lacked that control that I was used to having. And so I um, I started giving into all the foods that I loved and that I wanted to eat and all of my fear foods. But by doing that, um, I guess I started swelling a lot, which is what we called it uh, when I did end up going to treatment. Um, and, um, that was really uncomfortable to live with. 
And so I did research on ways to recover from eating disorders and a lot of social media influencers were saying that going vegan was the best way to do it. Uh, oh no, so, oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I went vegan and told myself that I was doing it for all the right reasons when I clearly was not. Um, but I was really happy doing it because it gave me the sense of control that I needed while also uh, allowing me to fill my hunger and, um, or I guess, feel my fullness and feel my hunger and um, feel like I was feeling my body in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, Long term, it probably wasn't the best idea. Um, but at the same time, um, once my parents started to get more concerned, I started seeing a nutritionist and a uh, therapist, and that was helpful. And, um, and it was a lot of confronting my fear foods with the therapist. So she would tell me, okay, like, go try and eat this. Next time, we're going to eat three pieces of candy together. Or um, I want you to go get a pastry and uh, eat the whole thing like yourself. And that was a big deal to me at the time. Now, not as much. But, um I always need to do it with somebody else so that I could feel like affirmed that it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to college was when I decided, or not, not when I decided, but when I joined a recovery group um, where we would meet once a week and we would eat uh, challenge meals together and then yeah. sit with it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, what helped me recover the most because first I did not, except the I'm vegan so I can't eat this excuse. It was if you're going to be in that group and you want to recover, you just have to do what the group is doing. Um, yeah, we'd yeah. get, they'd order us Chipotle. Uh, we didn't really get to choose like the fix-ins or anything. They would just pick it and you got it. Um, oh, they'd that, get yeah, like Chinese so food. They, it was always a, um, like a full meal. They had a caloric drink and a dessert, and um, you had to finish all of it. There was no, uh, and if you didn't finish all of it, you had to either really explain why you couldn't finish it, or um, or to explain that you're having a rough day and couldn't do it. But um, but that's how it went, and I think that's what really helped me stop restricting for the most part. Um, and then just finding a good support system. Right now, I have Malachi. Uh, Malachi is my fiance. And, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Gross. Um, Disgusting. And um, basically, whenever I'm starting to feel, have negative food thoughts, I will have him affirm that what I want to eat is good. I'll have him. Um, I don't know, eat something with me, even when he's not hungry, he will do it because he knows that it helps me. That's great. Um, he's like six foot eight. Like he has so much body. He needs the calories to keep himself alive. Literally, he's fine. No, yeah, he's good. But um, he's always been a great support system for me. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's my story. Right now, I'm in like a quasi recovery. I have good weeks and bad weeks. Um, 
good days, bad days. Um, And me, unlike a lot of other people, I incorporated a lot of exercise in my recovery just because I was so used Mm -hmm. to being an athlete. Um, and I need, I thrive off the endorphins because of my depression. If I cut out the uh, body movement, I would not be doing great. Um, it would get me in a deeper hole than um, the eating disorder would have me in. Yeah, that's definitely tricky because exercise can be like a good coping skill and like a positive, you know, self-care kind of thing to deal with these like other mental health struggles. But then also when it gets incorporated into the eating disorder, it's like hard to find where that balance is. For sure. Right. I'm curious. Okay, so what I found for me, Gabrielle, um, like having someone to look at who is good at eating is like really helpful for me. Has that changed things for you at all? Like having an example of someone like in your life for you, you guys live together. So it's like seeing somebody every day eating what they feel like eating. Does that help you? Um, yes. And a lot of the time, it's also because um, since he's good at eating, he'll see what I eat and be like, hmm, it looks like you're missing something. And I'll be like, oh, what am I missing? And he'll tell me what I should add in, um, which is usually good because still now I don't think I understand my hung- hungerfulness completely. Um, so sometimes I'll get hungry to the point where I'm nauseous and I think I'm nauseous, but I'm actually just hungry. Um, so he kind of helps me know when I should probably add something else to my meal. Um, when my nausea is probably just hunger or thirst, um, that I haven't been fulfilling. What a nice boy. A nice, a nice, a nice boy. Country boy. Um, so I have a couple questions written down like related to the extreme hunger so I was hoping we could kind of have like a little chit chat about that now that we've kind of got your story you know all laid out for us um so the first thing that I wanted to ask about is and you mentioned that you did have extreme hunger like during your recovery process so how did you kind of cope with that extreme hunger at the time Um, And then kind of like a follow-up question to that is, was it like difficult going through extreme hunger, you know, when you were at home with your family or when you were at school or or things like that? If um, for the listeners, I'm nodding my head. Yes. Um, (laughs) So when at first I didn't really struggle with the extreme hunger because I was like oh this is getting better this is what getting better feels like I was really into it and super excited um and it would be like I would get home from school and I'd have brought plenty of food to school probably not enough for my body that was recovering from starving but I would have a good amount of food and then I'd come home and was so hungry and wouldn't stop I would um like you guys, your show's called Cereal from the Box. I would take the bucket of cereal that our parents have in the pantry. And they don't have cereal boxes. They literally pour it into other containers where it we gets have it stale too. anyways. It still gets stale. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> All good. No, but that's really what I would do. And then um, afterwards, I'd usually be okay unless 
um, unless I ate to the point where I felt sick. Um, and when that would happen, I would just fall asleep because, you know, when you eat a lot, you kind of just have a little yes. coma. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes those food comas were just what you needed after the end of a long school day. Um, but I guess later on in my recovery, it became a lot harder to cope with it. Um, because it took me a long time to, I think, uh, get to a place where my body didn't feel like it was in starvation mode anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it took at least like three years. So, um, there's some nights I'd at the end of in college, at the end of my day, I would go through like a box of, uh, cliff bars. Which, yeah. Like an average person, like, okay, whatever, no big deal. You're eating cliff bars. They're healthy. But for me, it was a huge source of guilt um, because I bought them for the week and they lasted me a day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, I definitely had that same experience, especially when I guess when I had no, I was trying to think probably like later college to after graduation, kind of same thing, buying groceries for myself, expecting it to last a certain amount of time and then going through it really quickly. Um, yeah, that was definitely like a huge struggle to kind of to work through but I guess like to cope with it um it was a lot of following recovering social media bloggers which is more helpful than a lot of people would expect it to be and like listening to them talk about their experiences and understanding that I'm so hungry because my body was not being fed enough and it thinks that this is the last time it's going to eat these things So I learned to fill what my want was so that I wouldn't feel like it was the last time I could ever have a cookie ever again. Um, Yes. Like if I was craving a cookie, I'd eat a cookie. And then um, if I wanted five more, I could eat five more. If I didn't want five more, like that would be fine too. Um, But I'd let my brain and my body decide it. Um, And I think a lot of it was my brain deciding that it was the last time I'd be able to eat the, the cookies or whatever. Um, and then yeah. my body knew that it wasn't, but, uh, once you, I guess, make it a habit of just eating as many as you want, it gets a little easier. Yeah. With that, like mental restriction piece, I think like that permission is really key and it, especially not just permission to have it, but to have as much of it as you want to like mm-hmm. really combat, um, that feeling. G, did you That's have... Some- Oh, I was totally about to ask you a question at the same time. <laughs> what does, like, okay, so just for some people who maybe have not experienced that extreme hunger, um, and I think that because I didn't have, like, the same kind of issues uh, that you guys did, like, what um, what does that feel like? Because like, I really am not sure that I totally understand what that feeling is of extreme hunger. You want to start, Marie? Yeah, well, I, I'm i going to answer your question with the question. Because I feel like you did go through extreme hunger, G. What? <laughs> Gabrielle, do you agree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with that <laughs> assessment? I don't, I don't want to expose you here, G. Um, expose away. Can Bitch. I expose you? Um, I don't know. I remember you sneaking food to your bedroom and um, eating things in secret. And I think that's a form of extreme hunger. Um, oh, I just did that because I didn't want to feel judged. 
find you know who. Also in college, um, when what was it? When you were restricting, you said you would also um, eat a lot of like safe foods in like large quantities. You mean? But I I feel like it's not the same because my body didn't go through that starvation mode because it I like still was eating like what a normal person would eat. It was like more of like a I guess what I was thinking about specifically, and I guess this brings up a good point, like, is there a difference? Everyone's roasting me. It's not roasting. (laughs) I'm not roasting you. I'm just, this is what I thought of, um, and I was about to ask you this before um, you asked this question, but, okay, so, first of all, what I immediately thought of when I assumed that you had gone through extreme hunger was when you were in Pennsylvania... Mm-hmm. and you were binging during that time uh yeah that's I, I would and I mean that brings up a lot of different questions oh my god about, like, what is extreme hunger wow I can it be caused I, by just physical starvation mental yeah. restriction I have blacked out that whole part of my life <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember most of it I'm this is why Dion doesn't need to go to therapy or choose not to go to therapy because we can just talk about everything right here. Come on. <laughs> As we said on, on Emily Lupid's podcast, which is RIP diets, I literally, like, this is how I, I talk about my issues. I bring up my, like, blackout memories. We'll <laughs> all grow together. Um, but so to answer your question about what extreme hunger feels like, um, I mean, honestly, like, for me, I think it feels pretty much the same to binging where at a certain point, like for me, it's not a constant thing or it wasn't a constant thing when I was experiencing it. Um, but it would get to a certain point where like the hunger was impossible to ignore, um, which would then like result in me like compulsively, um, you know, reaching for food and then obviously like kind of being on autopilot, um, while consuming large amounts of food. So I think like at the time when I had experienced it, I just thought I was binging. I kind of conflated the the two. Yeah, I was like researching a lot and that seems to be like a pretty common thought that like because you've been used to eating so little for people who experience like restrictive eating disorders, you don't realize that you're just refilling all the gaps kind of like it's so scary in my, um in my therapy group uh, my food therapy group um we called it refeeding because mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly binge eating because our bodies were just trying to replenish the um just the absence the emptiness that it had before mm-hmm. yeah I guess so this is like Another question that I saw kind of popping off on social media, like I was looking at different posts about like extreme hunger and they would talk about like extreme hunger versus binging. Um, and some of them were making the argument that maybe it's not helpful to have a distinction between the two because in doing that, you're kind of demonizing binging by being like no it's not binging it's just extreme hunger like it's a normal part of recovery like I don't know like it's 
kind of an interesting standpoint. I don't know if you guys have thoughts. Well, I feel like that kind of invalidates people who do have, like, binge eating disorder, which is a real thing. You know, like, there, like, if you have, like, something like a problem, like, you deserve to have it recognized and treated, not just been, like, dismissed as, like, oh, that's normal. And it's like if someone can't really hear and then someone's like, I can't hear either. It's normal. Like, don't complain. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, for some people, that is a problem, like, that is connected to not being, like, recovering from a restrictive or, you know, it's a totally yeah. separate issue for some people. I mean, and it yeah. should be recognized that way. I guess because so, you know, you can have binge eating disorder, um, like not to be too clinical, but, like, DSM-wise, like, you're not supposed to diagnose that concurrently with other disorders mm-hmm. in practice, who's to say, but, um, I, yeah, so you can have a binge eating disorder and not be recovering from anorexia, um, but you can also be binging if you have bulimia, and you can be binging in anorexia, you can be binging, like, with multiple different mm-hmm. um, disorders and throughout the process, um, but I think, what I at least have learned through my nutrition is that ultimately binging comes from a place of restriction, whether or not like you're engaging in actual, I see Gabrielle nodding your, your head. Um, but yeah, so coming from a place of restriction to separate extreme hunger from binging because there's a physical restriction that like preceded the extreme hunger. Um, I don't know if that like, that's quite, fair to do to like place some um, physical restriction over mental restriction hmm. it really can come from like places that are also not of restriction at all um sometimes binging can come from like a coping mechanism mm-hmm. for other pain um I don't know I felt like sometimes when I was having the worst of days the food was the only thing that could make me feel better yeah. um you get a type of endorphin from eating a lot um and one of the therapy sessions that I brought my mom to it was talking oh, about how to get that um how to get that those endorphins without mm-hmm. uh binge eating without restricting and without exercising and yeah. um they they gave us a couple options um my two favorite were were sniffing baby's heads and um and uh sex okay having my mom there for that was great (laughs) that does explain it I had a great day today and I did spend about 30 minutes cuddling a baby to my chest oh yeah it's the oxytocin that you get from um those two things that they like bring up your mood and they help you cope so uh, in the therapy group, they're telling us to either, like, go find some baby heads to sniff or go have some really good sex. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And then Bob and, and Frank are like. Yeah, or masturbate. <laughs> I guess that works, too, if you don't have another <laughs> another partner available it's for that. The sweat. the sweat has to drip in your mouth. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, too much for me, Gianna. Thanks, though. <laughs> for legal um, purposes, that was a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I just crossed myself with the sign of Jesus, just so everyone knows. 
anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not so even I, drunk this time. <laughs> oh my goodness. This time. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. If you listen to our last episode, I do apologize um, to everyone involved. So I guess the summation of what we've kind of talked about so far is like binging can come can come about from different areas and can surface for different reasons, whether it's as various coping skills because there's mental or physical restriction going on and things like that. Um, and then with the extreme hunger, I mean, we typically think about it, I think like Gabrielle said, as like a part of refeeding, maybe a part of like weight restoration, Is that if that's something that like you have to go through. Um, Gabrielle, when would you say the extreme hunger went away for you? Um, I wouldn't say it's gone away completely because I do still have days of mental restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm mentally restricting, I will be a lot hungrier, um, just because my body's, I guess, afraid of, um, of get, going back to where it was. Yeah. I think for me, um, it's hard to say, cause I, back to the same problem of like, where, where is the line between the, the binging and the extreme hunger, if there even is one. Um, but I would say it kind of like correlated with my like hunger and fullness cues being like off and out of whack. Um, so that was probably like a year out of college is when that probably stopped. And when like my hunger and fullness started like regulating, so the extreme hunger wasn't really present. Yeah, I feel the same way, like right after after college, like my last semester of college, I think was my uh, mental health best mm-hmm. uh, for college. So like I feel like I didn't have as many um, binges, and like I, you know, I wasn't constantly thinking about food. I wasn't constantly hungry, um, which I feel like is a big part of it too. It's like when you stop thinking about food all the time and you can like actually live your freaking life Mm -hmm. um but also like I was doing other things that uh you know allowed me to be where I am now but probably not recommended for the general population Mm -hmm. yeah so I guess my point is that extreme hunger doesn't last forever um because I think that can be a big fear for some people, especially like when you're first um, going into recovery, like if you aren't as, um, you know, kind of excited to be able to try those foods again and have foods that you haven't had in a while. Um, the fear might be like, oh, this is never going to stop and I'm going to gain weight forever, um, which is definitely not the case. <laughs> um, and Did I you... think, yeah, go ahead, G. Sorry, Gabrielle, do you feel like, you when like even though you said you kind of still do experience it sometimes like do you feel like your body's in a place where it like kind of regulates now or do you still have like fluctuations like what is your relationship like with your physical form at this time um I think that I'm mostly at um at a place where my body's regulating itself it knows where it wants to rest and um and it knows where it should be um 
I think that my best time, like you were talking about with your last semester of college, was also my last semester of college. That was also the first six months of quarantine. But um, I was out in the middle of nowhere at Malachi's parents' house, um, living off the farm. Yeah, I would get to go out every day and pick up eggs, and I'd have those eggs for breakfast. Um, But it was mostly just because I was distanced from, like, all the things that had put so much pressure and the put the need for control on me um and I also didn't really have the same access to uh exercise equipment and I just had to learn to move my body in ways that made myself happy not in ways that I thought would help me um I don't know change myself yeah Uh uh-huh um so that's I guess yeah, I actually have a question, though. Like, I just thought of, do you feel like having, like, that intimate relationship with the food that you're eating, like, you're picking it yourself, you're just killing it in front of your eyes? Sorry, Marie. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, the process of the food, like, in the circle of life, did that change at all, like, how you felt about what you were eating? Most definitely. Um, After I went through my veganism, which – I a thousand percent would do again if I didn't think that it would make me restrict. Um, But I think that if I did go vegan again, I would be restricting. Um, But I feel like it helps me see how my food is being treated. Being vegan made me more conscious of uh, where my food came from and um, what I was putting into my body. And so knowing exactly what's going into my body, I guess is a new way to control, which is bad. Um, but it also does make me, uh, more proud of what I'm eating and more, um, confident and it helps me, um, want to try different things, which is a good part of it. Yeah, that's super interesting, actually. Like, if you were a farmer, like, you'd be like, I grew this, I grew this. (laughs) Uh, That's the goal. Yeah, I would love to be on a farm, but like an animal sanctuary farm, which is a little different, but whatever. It's okay. (laughs) Mom's mom and aunt, who are both vegan, they went to this Mm -hmm. animal sanctuary farm in Thailand. In Thailand? And it's like, it's like rescue elephants. So you know, like rescue horses, rescue cats, it's rescue elephants and rescue dogs. Because there's like a million dogs on the street. They just take them in. Yeah, there's one here in Maryland, but it's super far away, so I haven't gone yet. But Versus. Anyways, that's um, t- totally off topic. Um, the only, oh, okay, so I did want to circle back around to, like, how did other people react to your extreme hunger? Um, and what was it like, kind of, like, navigating your relationships while <laughs> you were experiencing extreme hunger? I know what you're going to say, girl. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> um, it was hard at first to have extreme hunger because um, I don't think our family at the time completely understood what having an eating disorder was like for us. Um, and so when I would want five different desserts in one night because I was hungry, uh, I was offered water or tea oh, instead. No. Yeah. And it was okay. That's what 
that's what my parents thought was the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of saw me go from um, what their image of uh, perfect fitness, whatever was, yeah. to me eating whatever I wanted all the time. Um, and I, I'm in a thin body to begin with. I'm in a smaller body to begin with. So I don't think they ever saw me as uh, not right, if that makes sense. Like, I wasn't ever um, considered to be in a bigger body. But um, when they when they would criticize everything that I would go for after dinner, it felt like I was being um, put into the frame of, um, like, shame. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's what's so hard, too, right? Because, like, with the extreme hunger, like, the best thing you can do is honor it. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have people that fully understand it, um, it's going to lead to more secrecy or not honoring it or shame. And like all of those are like key factors to keep you stuck right where you are. Um, The secrecy was big. I remember bringing like cups and cups of cereal to bed um, just because I didn't want to eat it in front of people so that they wouldn't see how much I was actually having. Mm -hmm. Um, But I internally knew that I wanted it. And whether I needed it or not physically, I knew I needed it mentally. Um, And that was what was important for me at the time. Yeah. Did you find that you were able to kind of have those conversations with people, whether it was like your parents or other people, in order to breed a more accepting space? So like, how did you kind of cope with that other than just doing your own thing, I guess? At some point, I became way too open about everything Um, (laughs) I think I went to so much therapy that it was kind of like anybody out there could know what my story was and know what was going on with my life and I wouldn't really care Mm -hmm. um I think what helped me the most to get to my family though was the food groups I would take my parents to uh it was called rock recovery and they did a rock with me and and, um (laughs) And they would listen and they would see all these people that were going through similar things that I was, people who had recovered from similar things that I was going through and uh, understand that it wasn't just me that was feeling these feelings, that everybody in that room was too. Um, I don't know, so that helped a lot. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Do you feel like they're different around you and food now? Most definitely. Um, Elaborate, please. I mean, so <laughs> some days when I'm at home, uh, I'll get the, are you sure you don't want some water or some tea? And I'll be like, mm, no, I'm going to have this instead. And I'll go like eat a sandwich or something. Um, and they're okay with that. Or I don't know. Now, when I talk to my mom in the morning, she makes sure that I have uh, enough food for lunch and not... Um, criticizing that I don't uh that I'm eating too much for lunch or um she does still ask me if I eat enough vegetables (laughs) oh my god (laughs) 
Not get me started. We had a fight about it. Just We've a reminder. Reminder, we have the same mom. Me and Gabrielle are related by blood. Literally, <laughs> I eat vegetables if I want to. Leave me alone. That's all I'm going to say. Thank Could you, I girl. ask me if I was having salad ever? And I said, I don't really like salad. And she said, okay, I'm just asking for your poops. And I was like, my poops are fine, mom. <laughs> Uh, we love good uh, bowel movements here oh, yeah. on this podcast, for sure. Yeah, twice a day. Amazing. I'm good. Anyways. Do you feel like you can be more free around food around our parents, G? Uh, I, don't, I just don't. I'm not. I don't live at home. I don't live near home. So, like, I feel like it's irrelevant. Okay. What when you are at home though? Because I mean, like I family gatherings and stuff like that is important for the both of you. Is, so. uh, I feel like they don't have any food that I like at their house. So. Do they not have pasta. <laughs> they they don't like to eat pasta. Oh no. They went on their own like restrictive craze after we left the house. Like before we left, they ate whatever they wanted, and then once we left, they stop doing that um the thing is they figured out how to use social media like my dad got a facebook and he's like mm, yes this bad diet bad diet cut this out of your diet yeah so it's like i feel like they don't just they don't just have the things that i like and the things i would cook during quarantine mm-hmm. and like they just wouldn't really like what i was cooking like, they wouldn't really eat it. And I was like, I cannot eat mac and cheese for four weeks. I'm the only one eating it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But then when I made mac and cheese, they ate it all before they could give me the leftovers. I'm sensing so, a double standard here. <laughs> Gabrielle, like, framed hers. Mine was green. It was saucy. I put spinach in it. I was like, okay, fine. Healthy spinach. <laughs> you know what? Green mac and cheese. I blended it. I blended <laughs> it. No one likes me. Gabrielle, why don't you just replace me on the show? I'm no. out. I'm no. out. you got to no. be here. You're the heart yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. No, but, like, I, I do feel like they they won't say anything anymore to me about things, except for they were like, you, do you nutrition? And I was like, no, I don't eat nutrition. Thank you. Cool. How about you, Marie? How about me about what? Like, when you were uh, re-feeding yourself and experiencing mm-hmm. that, like, were your parents weird about it? Mm. See, that's a hard one. Um, because they were both involved in that process, but mm-hmm. also, like, not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, like, if I'm to track the timeline kind of in my head. Um, I didn't really have an issue with extreme hunger until maybe a a year after being in treatment. Um, I think just like with the the meal plans that we were on um, at one of the treatment facilities I was at, we were also like supplemented. Like there was a very specific like weight restoration program I guess if you will in terms of like how that worked out um so I didn't really 
my like hunger was like pretty absent like it was starting to come back while I was there um but I never like felt hungry between meals and snacks um and that was mainly also because we had the supplement so I don't know if like anyone else experienced that while I was there um but it did come back when I was in an IOP program at a different treatment facility and that's kind of when the extreme hunger started um and for me it just like felt like the binging was coming back and I never like framed it in this like I'm going through extreme hunger um and for me it was like really difficult because of being on a meal plan at the same time so it's like well technically I wasn't allowed to restrict um but then I was also quote-unquote binging at the same time while on the meal plan and like while they're like yeah you can eat more than the meal plan that's totally fine um it was like hard to accept that like the meal plan wasn't a maximum it like felt like a minimum um so my parents like at the time I guess the extreme hunger started they weren't really like as involved in my treatment process um but they did know that I was struggling with binging, especially at night. Um, and so, like, I would start wandering into the kitchen and, like, um, you know, they would be in, like, the um, family room area, which mm-hmm. is, like, has that little half wall so you can kind of see into the kitchen or whatever. Um, and my dad would be like, what you doing in the pantry? And I'd be like, I'm invisible right now. Like, you need, need to leave me alone. So I don't, it was like very much like a secretive kind of thing. I like tried to like not talk about it. And if they didn't say anything, I wasn't going to say anything. Um, so I guess that's kind of how it was when I was like living at home. And I think a lot of the, um, the binging that I was having as a result of the extreme hunger was like happening in the evening. So it was kind of like, go sneak some food upstairs to my bedroom, kind of like what you were talking about, Gabrielle. Um, But then when I left um, and I was like no longer living in my parents' home, my like concern became that they would like know that I was binging um, because like they they get um, my like receipts my dad like is super on top of finances so he like looks at receipts um so I'd be like worried about spending too much money on food throughout the week and then like somehow they would know that like that's what I was going through so it was always like a very hush hush thing I guess um but sometimes like they'd be helpful and be like I really want to eat something else because I'm still hungry right now um but I don't really feel like I can do that and my dad will be like yeah you can go ahead and like that would be like the external permission I needed in order to do what that. What a nice so. dad. Yeah. I have a question Marie. Are yeah. you uh in your love languages are you a words of affirmation person? I'm not. I'm a quality time person. Um okay. but I do think words I don't know. Do you say that because I need the external like permission? Yeah, because that's what I am. I'm very much a words of affirmation person, and I'm constantly asking for permission to eat things, to uh, do things, and just to know that what I'm doing is okay, because I thrive off of words of affirmation. Yeah, I think for me, it's like an indecision thing. 
where it's like, I feel like I can't do this, but like, I know I should, or I know I want to. Um, so like taking away like the decision fatigue from it and just having someone else make the decision. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I guess you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think words of affirmation is up there. The quality time's number one. Well, mine is physical affection and gifts. Yeah, um, those are both my bottom. <laughs> I don't know how we can be friends. But quality time is, like, right in the middle. I have, like, fear of gifts. I used to be afraid of physical so affection. Special. But now I'm not. I'm glad you got through that, Gabrielle. Yeah. <laughs> I like to cuddle um, with you, so... Um, when quarantine is over, the three of us could have a cuddle puddle. Oh, how fun. Which is yeah. just when you all cuddle together. It's fun. Okay. Well, guys, this has been enlightening. Gabrielle, do you have any last words for our 13 listeners? Or just <laughs> any advice in general that you'd like to give to someone who's dealing with extreme hunger right now? Um, stop following fitness influencers on Instagram, follow, um, self-love influencers, and, um... Do you have a favorite? Uh, everybody, no, I don't know, um, (laughs) Nyx is on, she's my favorite, she's, um, she's great, she's very self-love, Gabby Mail is, like, her best friend, she's cool, too, um, but... I don't know, just follow people that lift you up, not bring you down, and um, and follow your mind sometimes instead of, um, I don't know, conflicting thoughts, shut Ed down, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, surround yourself with supportive people. Brilliant. Love that. Words of wisdom. Where can people find and follow you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at gbarty. That's as in teacup. Thanks for yeah. the clarification. Not golf tea. <laughs> or t-shirt. Don't you have a secondary account, though? Oh, yeah. Maybe. N- nothing Nothing too necessary to share. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> well, you can definitely um, check us out at Zero from the Box if you aren't already. Um, and feel free to send us a DM if you ever want to chat. We would love to do that. So my Instagram is Gianna Bartolini, on, and that's where you're going to find me. Probably Marie already said it. I just lost my internet. <laughs> please, guys, please ask this question. Please. I'll ask you questions. Thanks, Gabrielle. Thanks, Gabrielle. You're, the you're the best. I love you. Mwah. Bye, everybody. See ya.